0: going up tonight and we're going to get right into it got some ground I got to cover tonight and uh, hopefully we'll cover it together amen amen hope everyone is doing well um, hope everyone is doing well tonight um, God has truly been good to us amen he's been better to us than we've been to ourselves and for that we say thank you amen all right, so let me do this. Uh, let me get my PowerPoint up tonight, amen. So, I want to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, last week we started talking about how to study the Bible. Uh, we 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 looked at a few scriptures, we were talking about how to study the Bible, amen. We talked about the importance of the Word of God, that, that it's important. We, I told you last week that there's some people who, um, There's some people who uh, don't know, don't understand the Bible, don't really know what the Bible is all about. Uh, Many of us live our Christian life um, having the word of God, but yet not applying the word of God because we don't know how to study the word of God. Amen. And I told you that um, we looked at that passage last week and, and in this series on Rooted. Uh, we've been we we talked about the fact that uh, at the beginning of a plant's life, its energy uh, is mostly spent on growing a strong root system. All right, and what we're talking about in this series entitled "Rooted," we're talking about how to uh, how to get your Christian life, how to how to uh, prepare your Christian life, how to be rooted. In the Word of God, but rooted in certain Christian beliefs and doctrines, so that our teachings, so that you can grow and become a uh, a stronger Christian, Amen. And so, with 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 that said, um, one of the things that we we talked about last week is we talked about the Word of God, and one of the things I told you that the greatest lie of of that That the devil has told, or the greatest lie that has been told about the Bible is that I can't understand it. Or uh, you know, it's it's too hard to understand. And so what we're gonna do throughout this, this series, uh, the Bible tells us that we must study, we must be diligent to do what? To present yourself, approve to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Look what it says. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now I told you about this rightly dividing right rightly dividing means you're cutting it straight Remember that illustration I use of government cheese, right? That, that that you have this big block of cheese and you have a cutter and what you're doing is you're cutting it now in order to cut it straight you need the right tools so so I want to just tell you that in order for you to understand the Bible the best the best place to start is by purchasing and we do have those at our church and some of you have it is a study Bible okay the best way to start rightly dividing the word of God is to purchase you a study Bible now there are a lot of different Bibles online and I'll I'll talk to you in this series about Bible translations. Like, which translation is the right one? Right, you have so many of them. Right, the question will be, which one should I use? Now, let me let me let me give you the acronym here. The acronym, uh, the 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 acronym here, uh, and and just help you to understand. Uh, The acronym for Bible, I've heard this, this acronym before. It says it's basic instructions before leaving earth. That's the acronym for Bible, okay? Basic instructions before leaving earth, amen? Basically, God left on record, amen, how he wants you as a believer to live. And so he left you some instructions, the Bible says that God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, and that means that God God wants us as believers, amen, to to feast on his word, amen, to live according to his word, amen, uh, to live according to his word so that you and I can uh, prosper in this life, amen. And so he wants us to be right, he wants us to rightfully divide the word of truth, okay? Last week I gave you a non-negotiable, a non-negotiable that the Bible is what? Inspired. 2 Timothy 3:16. Amen. 2 Timothy 3:16. Uh, we looked at uh 1 Timothy, but let's look at 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17. If you, if you go there real quick, 2 Timothy Three sixteen. Now I'm going to give you the method on how to study the Bible, but before I give you the method, I need you to understand the message of the Bible. You have to understand the what the message of the Bible. What is the Bible for? What did, why did God leave on record all these things? He left it for us so that we can live, Amen, a, a, a life that's pleasing and glorifying to Him, Amen. And that's that's one of the once one of the reasons, Amen. So if you go to 2 Timothy 3 and 16, 16 and 17, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says all scripture is what? Is inspired by God. So this word inspired means that it's the very breath of God. I'm just kind of recapping what I said last week, right? It's the very what? Breath of God. So what you see in this written word is the what what you're reading is the breath of God. God, God breathed the word, and every time you hear a word, every time you read the word, you have to almost look at this as if this is God speaking to you. God speaks through his word, it is the very breath of God. Amen. He says that it's profitable, and I went over that last week, but I just wanted to remind you that the word of God is inspired. Now What I want to do now is I want to show you, I want to talk about what is the Bible. What is the Bible, right? So let's look at this. The scripture is on the screen here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. If you want to understand, you know, the Bible, you understand, you have to understand what it is. All right. And let's look at this together. He says, for the word of God, this is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is what? Is living me let me just underline a few words here it's living so if something is living it means that it has what it has purpose amen it has it has it has it, it 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 it's a living organism that's why when you hear the word and the word sounds down in your ears and goes into your heart by way of the holy spirit by way of the teacher you can grow and develop and become a stronger Christian because you're li- you're you're actually feeding on the living Word. Now watch what it says. It says the Word of God is living. It's what? It's active, All right? So it's not just living and not doing anything. It's living and what? And it's active. In other words, whenever you hear the Word, it goes into your heart. It goes into your heart. It goes into your into your mind, and it starts getting at those things in your life that needs addressing, right? Because it says it's living, it's active. Look what it says. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So in other words, when you hold the word, you can get cut on both sides. You can't just handle the word or mishandle the word. The word of God is like a... He says it's sharper than any other any two-edged two two-edged sword so what does that mean that means that you will never find uh, anything more sharper than the word now what's why is the word here illustrated as an instrument first first it's illustrated as a living act something that's living and something that's active you get it so it's an organism right so this just like the church the church is not an institution it's an organism it's it's an organism the church is not an organization it's an organism that means it's something that's what that lives it's something that gives life you see what i'm saying when jesus said man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of god what jesus was alluding to is the fact that and i told you this last week that if you're not feeding yourself spiritually, if you're not feasting on the word, if you're not feeding on the word, you and I can be like those two plants I got in my window right now that I'm trying to resuscitate. Okay. And every day I go over there and I talk to them and I water them and, it, and I give it sunlight, but yet it just seems like it's not growing. Amen. And that's how we'll be. We'll, we'll, we'll grow. We'll, we'll, we will start drying up as believers, right? But but the reason why it's sharp is because the, the Lord knew that in our lives, we have things that needs to be cut out. Amen. It, we have things that need to be what? Cut out. Amen. So the word comes in. You say, oh, I'm changed. No, you're changed because you heard a word from God. Come on, say amen today. Amen. You heard a word from God and then the word of God came in and got right to the issue. You've been looking and searching and reading and you didn't pick up the Harry Potter book. Oh, you didn't did all that stuff. You know, you've been looking at uh, the power of positive thinking and all this other stuff. When all you had to do was pick up the word of God and allow the word to carve out to cut out the things in your life that don't belong there, see? Then he says it pierces as far as the division, watch this, of soul and spirit. So in other words, the word of God is good enough to not dress address the things that needs to be cut out of your life, but it's almost like surgery because you have cutting and you have piercing. <laughs> now watch this. It goes as far as the what? The vision of the soul and the spirit. So write this down. The word of God can deal with the non-material part of you. The part of you that the doctor can't deal with. The part of you that the doctor knows nothing about. The there, There's not one doctor who's trained on this earth other than Dr. Jesus. Hello, somebody. Amen. With his medicine, which is the word of God, that can get down in your soul and affect your spirit. So the word of God goes into your... You ever notice that when you hear a word, how your soul gets happy? Come on, somebody. Your spirit changes. I hope it does. Amen. Now, watch it. This. this is after the cutting. And the piercing, <laughs> he says, now watch this. So he says, of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow. See that? So now the word of God deals with the non-material, but write this down. The word of God can also deal with your material, the material part of you. It's like healing to your bones. I've experienced this myself many, many, many times over the years of being a Christian. That when I meditate on God's word, when I read God's word, it seems like the word, listen, the word goes as far as your joints. The marrow, you know what the marrow is? When you break the bone, look inside, that's where the marrow is, and the word gets into the marrow of your life. Can I help somebody with something? There's not a place in your life that the word of God cannot get to. If you come to know Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins, you have something that the unbeliever do not have, and that is the capacity to receive the word deep down in your bones. Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Amen. And what he's saying there is that the word has the power to get down into the joints and the marrow of your life. Quit reading every other book and pick up your Bible, will you please? He says, next he says, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So you say, what is the Bible again? Okay. So it's good to deal with the what? With the non-material, the material, but write this down. It can deal with the psychological. It can deal with the what? The psychological. In other words, the word can change your mind. It judges your thoughts and your intentions of your heart. In other words, what I'm saying to you tonight, if you don't know what it is, then how can you come to appreciate it? And if you don't know what it is, and if you don't know how to study it, then guess what? Then you, are, you and I are, if you would, You and I are, if you would, Matt, if I could say this, we are at a disadvantage. And so a lot of believers live their Christian life going to church, relying on the pastor and and the Bible teacher to explain the word, but tell your neighbor it's time to grow up. You have to learn how to study for yourself. But before you learn to study it, you got to be careful how you handle it. Why? Because it's a what? It's a two-edged sword. It pierces. OK, so you got to make sure that you handle it correctly. I've already went over 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All right. I went over 2 Timothy 2, 15. All right. Uh, uh, and so it says all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for what? For teaching. All right. The word of God reproves us. It corrects us. It trains us in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. That's Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Now, Second Timothy 2, 15 says this is what we must do. We must be what diligent, diligent. You know that the idea of diligent here means that you have made this a priority what what is that pastor what 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 have i made a priority reading your bible amen studying your bible not just reading it but actually studying it the plan i'm going to show you how to do that but watch this says be diligent to present yourself approved to god as a what a workman so in other words what he's saying is that we ought to present ourselves approved to who to God our our mission is not to watch this not to impress people our 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 mission is not to show how much we know but our mission in life is to watch this present ourselves unto God I'm doing this for God, I ain't doing this for nobody. That's why you ought not to be intimidated around anybody who you think may know more about the Bible than you. You start where you are and you work from there. But but what my job as your pastor is this, is to make sure that you don't stay where you are, but, but assist you to go further than where you are now in understanding the word of God. But look what he says, he says, A workman who does not need to be ashamed. Here we go again. Accurately handling the word of truth. The reason why you have to accurately handle it is because it's what? It's sharp. It's living. Now watch this. These two words, living and active, mean something. You know what it means? It means that the word now takes on a personality. The word now takes on a purpose. Now, because it's living and active, You got to be careful how you handle it. Anything that's living, you don't just mistreat it, right? So I want you to change the way you're looking at the word. Don't look at it as just the Bible or the word. You remember what I said last week, right? People come, they come out of church, they put it in the back window of their car, they throw it in the back seat or they put it on the ground and, and watch how you treat the word of God, just how you treat it, just how you handle it. Do you treat this book as a holy book or do you treat this book like every other book throwing it on the floor putting it wherever start appreciating that the word of God is living and active okay second peter 1:20 says know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of it's a matter of one's own interpretation so in other words What the Bible is, not only is it living, it's active and all that, but the Bible also is not man-made. It's God-inspired. Now, you've heard this before. It's been written by man. Men, watch this, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of what? Human will, but men... Moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke what? Spoke from who? From who? From God. So when we say that the Bible is God-breathed, Second Peter 1, 20 and 21 tells us how God transmitted the word to us. So those writers were, watch this, God used the writers of the Bible amen, by way of the Holy Spirit, he used their personality, he used their intellect, he used their character, but the the, the one thing they had, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak from God. In other words, they were God's representative. Now, I won't get into the details, it's too deep to get into detail about the canonization of scripture And all this other stuff. But I want you to write these words down. Revelation, inspiration, illumination. Okay. Revelation, inspiration, illumination. Okay. That is what you call, that's the process of how God, watch this how God transmitted the word to these men, right? And then translated it into a language. Oh, I wish I had somebody. That we can understand what God is saying to us. Now, every morning when I get up, what I do, when I go into my prayer closet, I pray, I ask for the forgiveness of my sins, and then I open up the Bible. And what I do is I just open it up. Wherever it falls, I read. And I look at that as God talking to me. I look at it as like, man, you know, I have my, my 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 organized reading. I have I have certain books that I read and things like that, but in the Bible that I read every morning. But when I look at it, I say, wow, okay, this is God speaking to me this morning. This is what God's saying to me. I want you to try that. Okay? Why? Because it's living and it's what? Active. And you'll find out that if you try that exercise, you'll find out that God will speak directly to your situation. Do I have anybody? Amen. And remember this. So don't let anybody tell you, oh, the Bible, the Bible is this, the Bible is that. Listen, it's it says, it says, men moved by the Holy Spirit. By who? The Holy Spirit. So let me say this: the Holy Spirit is the author. See? All right. God is the original author, amen, but God, by way of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being God, right, moved upon these men so that they would speak from God to give us the word of God, and how did they give it? Through revelation, through what? Illum- inspiration, and then through what? Illumination. The Holy Spirit is the illuminator. To illuminate it means that I can read it now and understand it, but the only way that I can read it and understand it, write this down, the only way you can do it is by the filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Psalm 1, when you read the word, Psalm 1, Psalm 1, uh, 1, verse 3, it says, and he will be like a what? He will be like a tree. Firmly planted by what the streams of water, which yield its fruits in the season and, and 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 does excuse me and does not wither. And whatever he does, he what he prospers. This is the one who meditates. If you look at Psalm one verse two, I'm sorry, yeah, Psalm one. Let's go there. Let's go there real quick. This is my favorite passage. If you really want to prosper in life, this is how you prosper. See, a lot of of times the world gives us a way, but God has a way. But his delight is what? In the law of the Lord. And in his law, what does he do? He meditates. I, I gave you that illustration last week, right? It's to regurgitate, right? It's to read it, regurgitate it. Read it, regurgitate it. Read it, regurgitate it. And that's how, see, a lot of times we think that we are reading we think that we're studying say okay i read my bible i want you to take a survey of your life how often do you read your bible all right that's the first thing second thing is how long do you read your bible amen see how often you read it and then when you read it how long do you read it do you hurry up and read it or, or some of us we put it on audio you know cuz Audio is the best way for us. But but listen, I want to say this to you. I challenge you this week to change your intake. Amen. Change the way you do it. Get in it and read the word of God. Acts 17, 11 says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they what? They received the word, what? With great, what? Eagerness. Look what it says now, examining the scriptures. Examining the scriptures when? Daily. Listen, you and I as believers have to make this a habit, something that we do when? Not monthly, not when we feel like it, not when we're going through, but we have to make it a daily habit. A daily habit of what? Examining the scriptures. Amen. My favorite passage, which is my life verse. It says, for Ezra, watch this. First thing Ezra did is he set his what? He set his heart. In other words, before you approach the word, what you have to do is go before God and say, God, I ask for the forgiveness of my sins now. I pray that you forgive me. And you set your heart before you study. Don't read the Bible. If you got a whole lot of stuff going on and you can't let it go, stop, pray, release it, and then pick up the word. Pick up the word and read it. Look what he says. He says he set his heart to study the law of the Lord. And then what? Notice, he says, I'm going to practice before I preach. <laughs> He says, he says, and to and to what? And to he set his heart to study, and then to practice it, and then he says to teach his statues, and then teach his statues and ordinances in Israel. My encouragement to you that is that you have to have a heart check before you study. Hello, somebody, because you don't want to approach the Word of God with all of your biases. You want to. You want to ask the Lord for forgiveness and then seek God through study. Say, well, how do I study? We'll get to that. All right. First Timothy 1.5 says, but the goal of our instruction. Now, this is the key thing about instruction from the word. The goal of our instruction is what? Love. I believe, saints, that we have to teach God's word from a position of love. Amen. I I say what I say to you, and sometimes it's convicting. Sometimes what I say to you may cut you, may pierce you, right? But guess what? Guess what? You got to understand something. I'm doing it. I'm gonna do like my my, my mom used to say. I'm beating you because I love you. Amen. I'm I'm doing it. You left me no choice. I got to do this because I what? Because I love you. Amen. So the goal of our instructions is love from what? A pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. So Revelation one three says this: "Blessed is he, blessed is he who what." There's a blessing just in reading. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And and then watch this: there's a blessing in what? It says, "Blessed are those who read." Blesses he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy. But watch this. But here's the thing now. You got to heed it. See, people want to read it, but they don't want to heed it. They want to read it, but they don't want to hear it. Or vice versa. They want to hear it, but they don't want to read it. They want to hear it, but they don't want to heed it. They want to read it, but they don't want to heed it. See? And that's where the problem is. That's a twist of words there. All right. He says, he says, and heed the things that are written in it for the time is near. Amen. Here's the other part to it. What is the Bible? Psalm 12 and 6. The words of the Lord are what? Pure words. Pure words as silver tried in a furnace. Amen. On the earth and refined seven times. So. If I were to tell you now in the words living, it's active, it's sharp, and any sword, but I want to say this also, the word of God, y'all, the word of God is the purest thing that you will ever handle. It's the sharpest thing you ever handle, right? But it's also the purest thing that you will ever encounter in your life because it's the very, it's perfection. There's no error. There's no, there's nothing wrong with the word of God. There's something wrong with me, but there's nothing wrong with the word of God. All right. Deuteronomy six, six through nine. This is what I call a word house. You have to develop a word house, all right? All right. Your home has to be built on the word of God. So these words, which I'm commanding you, these words, which I'm commanding you today, watch this, shall be on your what? heart do you know that the average the the, the the Jewish boy by the time he is 12 he has the first five books of the Bible memorized okay that's called the Torah okay they have it memorized can you imagine that they know the Torah these are kids 12 years old that know the Torah amen and 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 here's the thing as believers you and I must realize that we ought to have the same type of appetite for the word of God Deuteronomy six seven says what shall you do though when you put the word on your heart he says you shall what there's that word diligently again teach them diligently to you who to your sons you shall talk of them when you sit in your if the conversation in our home, just about what the next series is or about nothing and we don't never talk about what we've learned so here's an exercise I want you to do okay all right if you're married if you're not married and talk to yourself Uh, or call somebody from the church and uh, you know uh, somebody who was on Bible study with you right and talk to them right when you sit in your home talk about what you learned tonight watch this He said, when you see, he says, you shall talk. First of all, you shall teach your sons. Here's the tease right here. Teach your son, talk to them, right? When you sit in your house and then what? And then he says, and when you walk with them, by the way, and when you what? Lie down. And when you what? Rise up. What do we see in verse seven? You know what I see here? I see the consistency, but I also see that what God is telling the people of God here in Deuteronomy 6, there should not be a time in your day where you're not thinking about, talking about, come on somebody, amen, and teaching the word of God. In other words, your response to situations should be, you know, what? What does the Bible say about that? What does God say about that? See, we compartmentalize it, we contemporize it because we don't think it's relevant for today. Look what He says. He says, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you sit in your house, when you walk them to the bus stop, uh huh. That, that's the, by the way, when you lie down before you go to sleep, you read a word. You know, we used to have a practice that we did every night before we went to bed. We have a little mini Bible in our living room. And what we would do, we'd have one of our kids to read a scripture from the Bible that night before they go to bed, right? And he said, when you rise up in the morning, so you see the consistency as to why we need it, because this is how we grow. This is how you overcome issues that you go through in life, because you and I have a consistent intake at every watches at every major moments in our lives do i have anybody when i'm home when i walk out in the way when i lie down before i go to bed and when i rise up in the morning but then in verse 8 he says you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall as the as, and and and, sh- and they shall be as frontals on your forehead they have this little box that they would take and they would strap it over their head, right? And what that what was contained in that box was a scripture as a reminder that I got to remember the word of God. They would tie up their hands, right? The Jewish boys as a reminder, and they would tighten it up as a reminder that I have, to, I have to read the word of God. But look what he says. He says, so after you have teach the word of God, After you've talked about the word of God, when you sit, when you walk, when you lie, when you rise, you bind it as a sign so that, in other words, you got to give yourself, you have to put a reminder. In other words, put a string on your finger and say, you know, I got to read the word today. (laughs) It's time to read the word. Or set the alarm. Hey, Siri, set the alarm so I can read the Bible. Now, all my series are going off. Watch this. Uh Deuteronomy 6.9 says, and and what he says next, he said, you shall write them. Notice. 29 alarms. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. He said, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, when folk come to your home, they should know that you don't play that. That your house is a word house, and it's built upon scripture all right i'll stop here amen i'll stop here tonight and and i and we went over this again uh the bible is good for teaching it reproves it corrects it instructs all right it instructs on how to live holy if you want to know how to live doctrine is just teaching Reproof teaches us what what sin is. Correction when when we when we when we're living in error, and righteousness in how to live holy. That you may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You've seen this scripture multiple times because it's an important scripture for you to know. Here's a non-negotiable. The Bible is inerrant. That word inerrant means without error. There's no error in the word of God. You cannot find a one error in it. Like wet and water, inspiration, inerrancy are inescapable. If we can't believe everything in the Bible, then how can we believe anything in the Bible? (laughs) Amen. All right. Non-negotiable. Number three, the Bible is alive, which I gave you earlier. God is speaking to us what today? All right, went over that. God knows our what? Spiritual condition. I told you, physically, mentally, and physically, mentally, I'm sorry, physically, spiritually, and, and psychologically. He knows everything about us. God knows what we're suppressing, right? It's a discerner of thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. So whenever you begin to read the Bible, I'll give you this. Where do you begin? You begin with the context. Begin with a framework. Begin with a good translation. Begin with the genre. Now, I'll explain what genre is. So you have jazz, you have rap, you have r Those are genres. The Bible has genres. There's law, there's prophecy, there are, there are epistles, there's history. So you got to know what you're reading. If you're reading poetry, then you have to know how to read poetry, right? So those are the genres, right? And then you begin with prayer. Now, the most important thing, I believe, is context. I believe context is everything. How do we read other books? Context means the verses are connected to the verses that precede it and to the verses that follow. Okay? The old testament helps us to understand the New Testament. So whenever I jump into a book, all right? Let's just say I'm I'm at I'm at uh Psalm one verse three. What I want to do is I want to go back to the context. What does it say in verse one? Because the con- what happens to most people is that they'll take one verse of scripture and pull it out of its original context. And then all of a sudden they find themselves what we call isogeeing the passage rather than exogeeing the passage. Okay, now, context... Okay, is important because what it does, it you have to look at so so there are different types of context. There's the historical context, there is the immediate context, there is the context before, there's the context after, and then there's the context for the whole Bible. Okay, and you gotta know, you got to know. The context. Okay, my narrative presents the big picture from beginning to end. So you begin with the framework. Okay, you begin with a framework. In other words, in other words, the next thing you have to do is begin with a good translation. The best translation is one you read or listen to. I I, I recommend the New American Standard Bible because, again, for for us, that's the Bible. Or the ESV is a good version also. All right. I want to stop here. I will to stop here. And uh, we're going to break off. We're doing good on time. Amen. And um, when we come.